This evening, I will be reading from Luke 22, 14 through 20. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Growing up, I remember going to big church with my family, and we, I remember taking the Lord's Supper with them. Uh, even from a, a young age, I still remember passing around the little plate of crackers and the, the little plate with the mini communion cups, and I was always so scared that when the, the cups got to me that I was going to dump them over and make a huge mess and embarrass myself and my family. Uh, but I also remember when I was around six or seven, uh, we went to the late service, and in typical boy fashion, late services, just before lunch, and I'm extremely hungry. Uh, I knew that the service was ending in about 25 minutes. I would get some food, uh, but that wasn't soon enough for me. And so when the, the communion plate passed by me, I remember reaching to try and grab a cracker just to, to satisfy my appetite between, before I could get a meal after, after the service. And to my disappointment, my parents... They, uh, they told me no, and they told me no because I was not a professing Christian at the time, and uh, they told me that I'd have to wait till lunch in the next 20 minutes or so uh, before I could get some food. And so, while this is a, a, like a funny story, uh, it's clear that at the time, when I was seven years old, I had no concept and no actual understanding of the nature of the Lord's Supper. And I think in our text this week, and this tonight, uh, Jesus is establishing the nature of the new covenant meal to his disciples. And I think we can all agree that we are in need of constant reminders of God's promises and of God's uh, uh, salvation for us. And I think that we need constant reminders of this. And so uh, I think our time tonight would be best suited if we look at this and use it as a brief reminder of the nature of the new covenant meal uh, and so what, what I want us to see and what I think Jesus is saying in our text today is uh, that the Lord's Supper is to cause us both to look back at Jesus' sacrifice for us and to look forward to uh, the fulfillment when we will one day uh, enjoy fellowship with God in heaven. So before we dig into the text, let's take a brief survey of some biblical context for our passage. And so in, at the beginning of Luke 22, the um, the plot to kill Jesus has been set in motion. And so hours before Jesus, uh, before our text this morning, or this evening, sorry, uh, we see that Jesus has commanded his disciples to prepare the Lord's Supper for them and that they're going to go and partake of that uh, Passover meal. And so as a reminder, the Passover was the annual meal that the Israelites celebrated in commemoration of their exodus from Egypt. And so each household at that time and Israel would take a spotless lamb. So at the Passover night, they would kill it. 
they'd put the blood of it on their doorposts. And on the Passover night, the Lord would see the blood on the doorpost and he would pass over that house and spare the firstborn of that household. Um, It was through this 10th and final plague that God used it to save his people from captivity in Egypt and uh, sparing. And and so what we see is it's important to to remember that the, the Exodus is the model of salvation in the rest of scripture. And those themes constantly come up in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so that kind of leads us to where we are uh, today, uh, where Jesus is reclining at the table with his disciples to eat the Passover meal. So look at verse 14 with me. Um, first, what does it mean when it says the hour came? Uh, well, we know that Jesus is foretold of his coming suffering. And in the next verse, he even says that he is anticipating eating this meal because he is about to suffer. And so perhaps uh, when the hour came is a reference to uh, to the appointed time that Jesus is to be betrayed. Um, I would tend to side with some scholars that think that this is both a reference to the time Jesus is to be betrayed and the traditional time that the Passover lamb was to be slaughtered at twilight. Um, this, draws a, this conclusion draws a direct connection between the perfect spotless lamb of the Passover and the perfect son of God, uh, and the Son of Man, because both were, being, both were sacrificed for the salvation of God's people. So let's look at verses 19 through 20 real quick. And in, the, in this section, we see the Lord's Supper and the aspect of it that looks backward. So in this passage, we read, quote, this, so in reference to the unleavened bread of the Passover meal, uh, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then in 1 Corinthians uh, 11, 15, which is Paul's retelling of the Passover cup, uh, he states, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus has taken the bread of the Passover feast and showed that it no longer, and no longer will God's people look to the blood of the spotless Passover lamb as a means of their salvation. But instead, those who partake of this new covenant meal, we look back at the blood of the perfect sinless lamb of God who was broken and whose, body was, or whose blood was spilled in our place. And because of this and this all-atoning sacrifice, now when God looks upon us, he no longer sees our, the stain of sin, but he sees the blood of his perfect and spotless lamb in our place. And we get to enjoy that righteousness that we get from that. And so for, for those who are in Christ, and for, for us who have trusted in the promises of God and in in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we have been washed clean and made righteous because Jesus lived that perfect life in our place. This should cause us to ask ourselves, uh, do we really believe that God or that Jesus was sufficient for our sins and this sacrifice was all atoning? Uh, what we see in the sacrifices Jesus, or of Jesus is that he, we are made righteous because he was righteous and we can do nothing to dig our way out of it. Um, when you think about God, when, when you think about sin, do you feel like you need to work your way back to God? I think when we look at God's word, we would, it would show that we can't do that. In fact, if we were able to do that, there would be no reason for Jesus to have come in the first place. And so this this promise, the, the promise of Jesus Christ, is the reason why we confess our sins and we receive forgiveness and we ask God for forgiveness and we receive that because he's shown it to us. 
we get to rest in the promise that Jesus paid the full price for our sins. So when we partake in the Lord's Supper, we not only look back to this, or we get to look back at the sacrifice of Jesus and worship and thank him because of it. And so now let's look at verses 15 and 18, where we'll see the future orientation of the Lord's Supper. Uh, look at verse 15 with me, and it states, And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover meal with you before I suffer. Jesus is well aware that his time on earth and his earthly ministry is coming to a close and that he will be betrayed by one of the 12. Uh, And because of this, he's earnest to establish this new covenant meal with those he will commission to spread the message of this new covenant. Um, And so, but Jesus isn't uh, merely speaking about the nature of the new, new covenant, but he's also talking about the Passover. It's interesting how Jesus speaks of the Passover meal. Uh, if we look at verse 16, he states, quote, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. What is, what is he saying here? Well, we know that it refers to the Passover meal. And so what Jesus is saying is that the, the Passover will be fulfilled when the kingdom of God comes. Uh, in verse 18, he state, or he repeats, quote, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Uh, other translations interpret this as until the reign of God comes. And if you were to look at Mark 14, verse 15, it says, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So what Jesus is communicating is that the Passover and Lord's Supper meals are only partial pictures and partial realizations of the future feast that is to come. So if we were to turn to Revelation 19, we would see the rejoicing that is in heaven and this wedding feast that we will get to enjoy where we will be made fully, um, able to fully uh, fellowship with Christ. And so in this wedding feast, we see the future fulfillment that Jesus is speaking of. Uh, the Lord's Supper and Passover meals are meals of looking back, not only just of looking back to Christ's blood being shed, but also looking forward to when the day that we can ha- enjoy this wedding feast and be able to be made right before God and enjoy perfect fellowship with him. Uh, so this is an amazing promise for us when we, when we think about the future fulfillment that is going to be coming for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's also think back to the Garden of Eden. So before the fall, God walked among Adam and Eve in the garden in perfect fellowship with them. And then because of sin, God separated them from himself. It's since that very moment that God has been planning to one day recreate heaven and earth so that he can then once again fellowship with us perfectly like we were always intended to do. In this, we see God's great love towards us and his pursuit of us. It's helpful for us to ask ourselves, how do we see God's love for us in the day-to-day? What ways do you see God's provision and sustaining power in your life? When, when you see God's love for you, what does this produce in us? If you were to take a survey of what you think about, how often you think about it, and where your money goes, if someone who's not in Christ were to be able to look at that and, and see that, would they see that you are a Christian? Would they see, oh, there's something different about this person, how they spend their time? Um, 
This isn't to say that you must constantly be thinking about God or that you have to give all your money to the poor or to the church. But this is to say that the things we spend our money on and the things that we think about show where our heart is. When we encounter God's love and his pursuit of us, uh, it's meant to drive us towards repentance and faith. And we should love God because of that. And we can love God because he first loved us and gave his son for us. Another helpful uh, thing to consider is what comes to mind when you think about God? Is he distant? Is he uninvolved? Is he uninterested in your life? Do you see God as this God who's ready to bring down the hammer the next time you sin? Uh, When we look at the Passover, or when we look at the Lord's Supper, we see that God has always desired to fellowship with us. Um, God gave his only son to be the perfect spotless lamb in our place to bridge the chasm that we created when we sinned. Um, God is not merely a judge, but he's also a caring and loving father. Which of the parents in the room would not do anything in their power to provide and protect for their children? What we see in the Lord's Supper is that God has provided the means for us to be saved and to be made right and to fellowship with him. Um, Let's always remember that God's kindness is meant to lead us towards repentance and faith and that God's character has always remained constant. We can trust God with every aspect of our lives because unlike us, he is steadfast and immovable. He's able to bear our burdens. And in fact, he, he wants us to cast our cares on him. So when we think about God, for those of us who are in Christ, we, we should see this picture of a caring and loving father who embraces us with open arms and embraces us with all our mess, all our sin, all our worries, and all our troubles. This is the picture of God that we get to see when we think about the Passover, or when we think about the Lord's Supper. So for those who are in Christ, we have a great encouragement today. We have a great encouragement in the Lord's Supper. When we partake in the Lord's Supper, we are reminded of Christ's body being broken for us and his blood spilled for us so that we can look forward, anticipate when we will get to enjoy the coming wedding feast where we will no longer, or where we will no longer have sin, death, sickness, pain, or suffering, but we will get to enjoy perfect fellowship with God. Because of Jesus, we have confidence that he paid the price so that we didn't have to. Brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, God has invited us to enjoy the Lord's Supper together as a church. And, but for those who may not know the Lord, the promise of perfect unity and the promise of this everlasting hope that we have in Christ, that hope isn't the, the hope that you get to look forward to. But the offer is extended uh, towards you. The, the Lord's Supper serves as a reminder that God has made a way for us to be made right before him. And we get to enjoy perfect fellowship with him in heaven forever. So do you, do you see your need for a savior? Do you see that God has invited you? Would you repent and believe in the gospel and join us in our eternal hope? Let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you for the sacrifice of your son and that because of him, we get to look forward to perfect unity with you in heaven. Would we always live in light of your promises? 
and give you all the glory in our lives. Amen.